0: If you'd go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2, we'll start there. We won't stay there. When people used to read, one of the books they used to read is called Pilgrim's Progress. How, about, how many of you have read it? Raise your hand. Wow, I'm impressed. All the old people. I started out as an English, high school English teacher, and they all had to read Pilgrim's Progress. It's one of the books they read. Here's a quote that Christian, the main character in the book, makes. He said, If I can get to the celestial city, that's heaven. I'm sure to be in safety there. I must venture. To go back is nothing but death. But to go forward is fear of Death. And life everlasting beyond it. Notice the last phrase. I will yet go forward. To go back is death. To go forward is kind of fear of death. It's a scary thing, but he has Christians say, I will yet go forward. The pilgrim's progress. Well, this morning we're talking about the disciples' progress. And for over a year, at times, we have been discussing the fact that more than anything else in Scripture... Those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior are referred to as disciples. And so we've been studying the New Testament what it means to find out, are we being what we are? This is not something you become. It's not a next level of spirituality. It is what you are if you've accepted Christ. We know the word means student or learner, but in first century Israel, it was way more than that. And so we've studied some of the things Jesus has told us about what was expected of disciples in his day. But one of them is this. That in the first century Israel, if you wanted to stay a disciple of your rabbi, you had to demonstrate you were serious about being a disciple of that rabbi, or you couldn't stay. He would give tests to his students, his disciples, to see, will they follow what I tell them? And if they wouldn't, they couldn't stay disciples. Now, we're not talking about losing our salvation this morning because we are disciples. But the question is, are we serious about being disciples? Interesting, a couple years ago, LifeWay Research did a survey of a number of professing believers on the area of discipleship. And in that study, interestingly enough, only 3.5% of those surveyed had measurable growth spiritually. Anybody say, what's that? Well, it might be how they read Scripture, or how they more shared Christ, or how they served. Something tangible that they could point to, that showed that they were growing spiritually. So only 3.5% showed any growth. But what's interesting is, 55% of those surveyed felt they'd grown. But they had no proof. They just felt they had. We tend to think we're much more spiritual than we are. Now, the worst part of this is 45% of those surveyed didn't think they had grown or admitted they hadn't grown. That's got to be even the worst part of all. So this morning we want to talk about growth, but a couple of key words I want you to look at in Hebrews 2. Here's a couple of the problems we have. After chapter 1, where the writer of Hebrews tells us who Jesus is, who's the one we're following, he says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. That's our first problem, is drift. It's the Greek word for float. Here, here's some balloons floating. You like that? Things that float tend to slowly move away from us, don't they? There's no focused energy to it. They're just moving away from us, drift. That's the first word. Keep reading. Verse 2, For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? That's our other word. Neglect. That's the word for negligence. It implies no urgency, no focused action on our part. So two problems we have. Either we drift, which means we kind of slowly float away, or by negligence, with no focused action, we neglect what we're supposed to be doing. Interesting verse in Jeremiah 7 relating to Israel, but the principle still applies. It says, They did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts and went backward and not forward. In the Christian life, you're either moving backward or forward. You're never standing still. Because if you're not moving forward, you're drifting, which means you're slowly moving away from where you should be. We tend to think we can just kind of stay in place and don't understand. No, you can't. If you're not progressing, you're regressing. Another way. So, how do I know I'm progressing as a disciple? How do I know I'm moving forward as a disciple? And that's what we're going to look at some of those principles this morning, and you can kind of test yourself where you're at. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. It's over to your right, a couple of books. Evidently, this idea of progressing as a disciple means others can see that we are progressing, because Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. Told him to be an example of all the things that he was supposed to be an example of. And then he said, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Evidently, this is something people can see, including us. We can tell if we're progressing or not. And one of the first ways we can tell is delight in studying his word. Here in 1 Peter 1, look at Verse 23. That by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. Long for the pure spiritual milk. Some of you have a translation, the milk of the word, because that's the context. A desire for his word, a delight in studying his word. Again, we're talking about we're disciples. Disciples would delight in what the rabbi taught them and want to continue to learn more from the rabbi, do you still have delight in studying the Word of God? What did Jesus say when He was tempted? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's our sustenance, or it's supposed to be. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, to continue in what he had learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Then the verse we know, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for us to be complete, equipped for every good work. What did he tell Timothy? You should continue on studying and delighting in God's Word. If you're not, you're probably not progressing. You know what concerns me in our church? I see more and more people not staying for Bible school thinking, I don't need that. Or Bible studies or Sunday night. I get enough on Sunday morning. Now hopefully you're studying the Bible yourself during the week. That's delight in His Word. But you know you're progressing as a disciple when you really can't get enough. You have to get more and more of God's Word. You have to keep following what He tells you and learn more about it. If there's no delight in God's Word, you're not progressing, you're regressing. You're drifting. Second, you have to display effort in doing what His Word says shows progress. Again, remember, the rabbi determined what the disciples were supposed to do. And so if our rabbi, our master, Jesus, has told us what it takes to show progress, we should show effort in those things, shouldn't we? One of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You've got the word pursue up here. That comes from this verse, 2 Timothy 2, 2, where Paul said flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Are we pursuing those things that God's Word tells us shows we are progressing as disciples or we're showing no effort? Look over in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, the first few verses remind us that God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. In verse 4, He's given us all these promises. We know all these truths from Scripture, so that should be enough, right? That I know all that? I have all that? Sounds good. Verse 5, "...because you know all these things that God's given you from His Word, for this very reason, make every effort..." Verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Are we pursuing those things that God says, this is what demonstrates you are moving forward? Or are we showing no effort in some of those things? The next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the main thing as disciples we're supposed to pursue. And you know, it's Matthew 28 18 20. It's a great commission. That if I'm a disciple, that's supposed to be really my main pursuit. We'll figure out what that means. Go back to Philippians chapter 3. Back to your left, a couple of a few books. Another word that Paul, Apostle Paul uses is the word press on or press forward to show effort in doing what His Word says. Philippians 3.12, here's what Paul says. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What does Paul say? I'm not complacent with where I am in my spiritual life. I'm not satisfied with where I am. Because I know I don't just stick where I am. If I don't press on or press forward, I move backward. And so Paul says, I never consider I'm okay where I'm at. I keep pressing forward, pressing on, giving effort toward those things that demonstrate progress. Interesting. This is what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Now, you wouldn't think this first phrase goes with the church in Corinth, but it does. As you excel in everything. That's interesting. Interesting in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you. You'd say, well, if I'm excelling in all those things spiritually, I should be okay. I don't have to keep moving, right? And he says, see, you excel in this act of grace also. Second Corinthians 8 is about giving. There's always another area you can press on, press forward in. He tells the church at Thessalonica, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing. They're walking and pleasing God. They should be satisfied with that, right? That you do so more and more. Press on. Press forward. Show effort in those things that your master says you need to be working at. That shows progress. Let's go to a third one. Are we demonstrating we are what we've told him we are? We studied John 8 a while ago where Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Just saying I'm his disciple, but I'm not abiding in his word means I'm not living up to what I say I am. So are you demonstrating you are what you've told him you are? Have you told him you're his disciple? You're his servant? You're his follower? Are you demonstrating that's what you are? That's proof that you are making progress. Here in Philippians 3, go to verse 15. After he says he presses on, he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Again, the reminder, we should be thinking just because we're mature, we haven't arrived. But if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained or live up to what we now know. That's what he's saying. If you say that you're mature, then you better be living up to what you say you are. Are you actually what you say to God that you are? Or is it just Sunday morning? And the rest of the week you're something else. long passage here from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm not going to read the whole thing to it, but Paul says it first. Look, guys, because you've accepted Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, so you are spiritual people. That's where you get your spirituality. Not in of yourself, it's from the Spirit. But Paul says this, but here's the problem. You weren't living like that. I couldn't address you as spiritual because you were acting like Humans. Acting like mere men. Some of you were saying, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus." You were acting like you were before you were saved. And so I had to address you as infants. Because what you said you were spiritually is not what you really were. And so I couldn't address you that way. Great chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13, right? That's where Paul says this, When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. What's he saying there? Because it's in, the, it's in kind of the concept of showing love to other people. I knew I was showing what I was in showing love when it was about them and not about me. Because like kids, we want what we want. When you're acting like a man, you want what others need. He told them in Ephesians this, that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine... I know Scripture, I know, really? Does your life show you're going here and here and here and here and here? Or does the life show you are what you say you are? Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 5. There's a longer example of this in Hebrews. So we can kind of take a little test. We can analyze where we're at. Are we living up to what we tell Him we are? Are we His disciples? Are we His followers? Or aren't we? Hebrews 5.11 And if you're a brand new believer, this doesn't apply to you. This section, you got that? He's talking to those who've been saved a little while. Something should have happened. They've been taught for a little while. 5.11 About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing, remember our drift word? For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings. We'll stop there. Here's the list. How do we tell if we're demonstrating what or who we say we are? So he goes through this. He says, are you on milk or are you on solid food? Meat. Are you on the basics of Scripture, or do you want Scripture that you really have to do some thinking about? Milk versus solid meat. Are you dull of hearing? Other translations say this. Are you slow to learn? Or are you showing you're putting into practice those things that you are learning from Scripture? Constant practice? Do you keep needing the same teaching? Or are you teaching others the things that you're learning? He's not necessarily talking about a formal teacher here. He's talking about you're sharing with others the things that you're learning. I've had people tell me, how come I keep getting seem to get the same teaching over and over and over and over again? I'm getting sick of hearing it. You know what answer I give them? Guess you're not putting it into practice yet. Because God's going to keep teaching you until you figure out, to show progress, you've got to do it. And then you've got to teach somebody else how to do it. Do you need to keep being taught the basic principles or are you someone who can train others because you're showing you're trained in the principles of scripture? Do you not understand? You're unskilled in righteousness. Do you have a tough time figuring out what's right and wrong to do in many situations? Or are you pretty much able to distinguish good from evil, right from wrong? Are you just staying in place? Or like verse 1, are you leaving the elementary doctrine of Christ and going on to maturity, to completeness? Are you moving forward or you think you're staying put but you're moving backward? Making progress or not? Actually showing Him we are who we say we are. Well, here's another test. Dependent on our Lord Jesus. Now, there's a question on the screen to give us perspective. How did you know when you were grown up? And some of you still haven't figured that out yet. I know that. Sorry. You may be 40, 50, 60. You still haven't grown up. But for those of you that think you have figured out that in physical and mental ability you are grown up, how did you figure out when you were grown up? When you were living on your own? When you were no longer dependent on your parents, when you were paying your own bills, when you had a job, when you got your own... Remember those things? When you showed you were independent is when you showed you were kind of growing up, right? And the problem is, spiritually, we tend to take that same mindset into where we are spiritually and think, well, if I'm getting progressing spiritually, I can handle stuff on my own. Wrong. You're not progressing at all. You're regressing. Because when Jesus tells us stuff like this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do... What's that last word? No, no, I can do some things, right? I can do some things on my own wrong. Can't do anything on my own if I'm progressing spiritually. My dependence is on Him. How many times in the New Testament Jesus talked about the sheep and the shepherd? Why does He talk about that so much? Because the sheep are... the sheep are stupid animals. Anybody ever raise sheep? And the sheep are totally dependent on the shepherd to stay alive. And so my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They're dependent on the shepherd. How dependent are you on, on your master, on your Lord? You Realize a lot of this shows up in our prayer life. It'll show how dependent we really are give you a couple of examples. I like the prayers of the kings in the Old Testament. And on here's the prayer of Jehoshaphat. He says, Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Is that dependence? Yeah. Here's a better one. Here's Asa. Look what Asa says. I've got an army of 300,000 from Judah armed with large shields and spears. I've got 280,000 men from Benjamin that carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. I got this covered. I got 580,000 people. I don't need the Lord, right? Here's his next verse. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. Is that an attitude of dependence? No matter what it looked like, he understood, I've got no chance at anything without God's help. How dependent are you on your Lord? And how does it show up in your prayer life? How does it show up in what you try to accomplish, what you try to do? That shows if I'm progressing or if I'm regressing. If I think I can now handle these things, I'm not moving forward. Well, how about this one? How do I know I'm moving forward as a disciple? Progressing, I have a definite resemblance to my teacher. Why would I say that? Because Luke 6.40 says this, the disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. These disciples that followed these rabbis in first century Israel, their goal was to act, think, talk, Believe just like their rabbi. That's why they followed Him. That's who they wanted to look and sound like. We know this is supposed to be true of us because we're told this in Scripture, aren't we? We have been predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, to the likeness of His Son. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall bear the image of the man of heaven. This is going to take place. But we either cooperate and start seeing it more here, or we don't cooperate, and it's going to take a lot longer till we get to heaven before that finally takes place. It is going to take place. But if I'm progressing as a disciple, this is something that's happening. Now here's where the question comes up. What does it mean to look like Christ, to look like my Master? Is this something I can do? What's the answer to that? The answer is no. Something I can put together? I follow a four-step process and I've got this? No. This is being done by the Spirit of God. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is happening by the Spirit of God working in my life from one degree of glory to another. From moment to moment. Some translations say little by little. But how is this transformation taking place? Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, says this, that we're supposed to put off our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. How does he change me little by little as I put off the old self? The things I know I'm not to do be renewed in my mind, which is through the Word of God. And as I put on the new self, little by little, the change takes place. And more and more I demonstrate His holiness and His righteousness in my life. There's change taking place. Remember the survey I told you about at the beginning? Where only three and a half percent really saw any measurable change that we could put up with, even though fifty-five percent thought they were changing, there was no proof. Forty-five percent saw no change over a period of years spiritually. Here's our question to ourselves: How have you seen spiritual change to you? God bring change to your spiritual life over time, and it is over time. It's not going to happen overnight. As you look back a year, 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, do you see God bringing spiritual change to you? That transformation, that showing the things of Christ are not an exception. They're more and more the rule. Now, are we talking spiritual perfection here? The answer is no. Spiritual progress doesn't mean you'll be spiritually perfect and never sin. We know that's not true. But if I'm making progress if I'm working those things that Christ tells me to work at, it says His Spirit is changing me to look more and more like Christ. And that's becoming the rule and not the exception. And I should be able to look back and see, boy, five years ago, here's my attitude in this area, but God has brought me here. A year ago, here's something I really was struggling with, but in that year as I've obeyed God, I've seen my mind change here. If you're seeing no change, you're drifting. If you're the same person you were 20 or 30 years ago, you're not making progress. And again, it's not you changing yourself or me changing myself. It's being changed by the Holy Spirit. He's changed my thinking. He's changed my actions. He's changed how I believe in Scripture, how I put it into practice. Why? Because I've allowed Him to do that, renew my mind, and then change me as I put it into practice. Look over in 1 John chapter 1. One of the greatest ways this change demonstrates itself, that we have a resemblance to our teacher, is in showing what life really is. You realize when Jesus came, God in the flesh, He came to show us what life really was. What it meant to really live life. In 1 John 1, that which we was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. In chapter 5 it says, he who has the Son has life. Are you looking like your master? Do you show what life really is? When you worship this morning, did you show any life at all? Or are you waiting when the service is over so you can go home and be really what life is? Wrong life. We'll go to sporting events. We'll show what life really is there, right? But in church, eh. See, if I'm becoming to look more and more like my master, other people is going to see what I think is life, life is really about, what's important in life. Here's an interesting verse in 1st Timothy 6 talking about the rich people. By the way, that's us. What are rich people supposed to do? They're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What's truly life? Having the money? Having the possessions? Just having fun? No. What's truly life is being rich in good works, being generous and ready to share. If I look more like Christ, that's what I show what life is all about. How do you know Galatians 2.20? It's supposed to be Christ in me showing. The life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. They should see Christ in me. That that's what I think is important about life. Go back to John 13. Quick example of this. Am I showing a resemblance to my Master, to my Teacher being transformed by the Holy Spirit as I obey His words, but secondly, am I imitating those things that He tells me to imitate that shows what real life is? In John chapter 13, most of you know what Jesus is doing. He's washing the disciples' feet, right? Verse 4 of chapter 13, "...He rose from supper, He laid aside His outer garments, He took a towel, tied it around His waist." Then he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. Here's our illustration. What is he here? He's a willing servant. You realize this is not his house? He's supposed to be the guest, he's giving up his right to be served. He has to find the utensils. He has to get up from supper. He has to take his robe off. He has to get the towel, the water. He's doing all those things. Nobody has to ask him to do it. And who's he serving? The ones he created. One who will betray him. Judas, all who will deny him and run, and he knows they're going to, and he washes their feet anyway. That's the attitude of a servant. And he says here in verse 15, I want you to imitate this. I've given you an example that you should have done just as I have done to you. That's why Philippians 2 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. How do I know I'm progressing? I'm more and more taking the form of a servant. A willing servant. One who will serve anyone that God places my path. That's how I know I'm looking like my Master. Just remind you, why'd He do this? Verse 14, He says, I've given you an example. You're supposed to do just like I did. And by the way, you can't make disciples unless they can follow your example. We're going to study that next week and the week after. He says in verse... 3 of chapter 13, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into His hands and that He had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He knew His calling. He was called to do this. The Son of Man came to serve and not to be served. What's our calling? To be His disciples, to look like Him. And verse 3, He did this. He loved His owner in the world. He loved them to the end. He did this out of love for others. That's our next E word. What resembles our teacher? A love for others. So here's our list. It's challenging, isn't it? Can I tell if I'm progressing as a disciple? That I'm following my master the way he wants me to follow. If I'm seeing these in my life, I'm progressing. If I'm working at these things, I'm progressing. If I'm not, I'm drifting. And there's one more on the list. A desire to make disciples. If you have no desire to make disciples, you're not progressing as a disciple. We'll talk about that next couple of weeks. Pray with me. Father, you have high expectations for us. But we forget, You give us all the help we need. You give us Yourself. You give us Your Spirit. You give us Your Word. Everything we need to put into practice those things You have asked us to do, You have commanded us to do. And this morning I pray You'd help all of us not to just listen and ignore, not to just hear the Word and deceive ourselves, but to be doers of the Word, to put something into practice. Because we want to show we're Your disciples. We pray this in Your name. Amen.